millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Watch Time. Now, today we've got a very cool episode for you talking about the origins of the Click House. Today's episode ended up being a very, very long one because we wanted to talk not only about how the house started and all the initial growth and all that exciting time, but also how we ended up having to take that break towards the end of 2019 and all the kind of issues that happened around that. So we ended up splitting this episode into two parts. Part two, where we talk about that decline bit, is going to be coming next week. So if you want to see that, make sure you hit subscribe. But uh, for right now, I hope you enjoy this week's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Watch Time, your weekly download on everything pop culture, gaming, internet. I'm Grace. I'm one of the directors of Click Management, and I'm here with Elliot, my brother, business partner, YouTuber, Muselk. And today we're going to be jumping into kind of a big topic. We're talking about a huge project that we started almost, well, I guess a year and a half ago now, About right? a year and a half ago, yeah. And Maybe that, even slightly more. Mm. Slightly more than a year and a half ago. And that is the Click House. So for about three years now, we've had our gaming management company, Click Management, where we manage a bunch of YouTubers and streamers, that sort of thing. And about two, two years ago, the sort of initial concepts for starting the click house, so starting a creator house, begun. And I think today we want to sort of get into what that whole journey looked like, what it looked like from like the first initial ideas and thinking about it to basically the fact that, you know, up in, at the end of last year, we stopped uploading uploading videos on the channel. And as of this podcast going live, the channel will be alive again in a slightly different form, Woo-hoo! which is super exciting. I'm so excited for you guys to see the new content. But I think to take it all back, we want to talk about the initial start of the conception of the idea for the house. And I feel like Creator houses were not an entirely new concept, but it had certainly never been done in Australia in the way that we did it. And I think it felt like a huge, huge project. I mean, I remember back in the day, I would look at houses. I think the first one that I really saw that had that mass appeal was probably like the Team 10 house for me. But I know that for you, you'd had a few other ones that had kind of popped up along the way, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the difference between, you know, what we were aiming to do versus like something like a Team 10 is that I think ours was interesting because, you know, in something like Team 10, their channels and the content they put on their channels individually are really, you know, about living there and about their lives in that thing. For us, it was obviously going to be a lot more gamer focused. So, yeah, I think um, for me, largely like, you know, knowing some of the Sidemen guys, seeing what they did with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd, I'd remembered I'd gone and, and stayed with them a few times over in the UK and just... It's weird. the The vibe there was just really, really fun and really collaborative. And I think it was it was crazy for me as someone who you know always worked solo when I was back in Australia. Uh, whenever I was over there, you know, even though most people would spend like ninety five percent of the time in their room <laughs> still recording, knowing you're like 
in an environment where you've got other people doing the same things, going through the same stuff was uh, was really, really cool. So I think the idea of doing a gamer house was something that really appealed to me. And, uh, you know, I think we've talked about it before, but there was that period where I was chatting to the phase guys about maybe doing stuff with them over in LA and, you know, it kind of hit a crossroads where we kind of had to make a decision. All right, do I go do the phase thing or do we, you know, make yeah. click and do a house back in Australia? And So I remember when the phase conversation first started and I feel like it actually, you know what? I remember it happened a lot when um, some of the phase guys came out to Australia for IEM and it must yeah. have been like 2018 IEM. And I remember you'd got this DM from them or something about phase and you were, you were really excited because at that point, yeah, like click as a collective hadn't really started yet. Like we obviously had the business and you were doing your own YouTube, but you were still very much solo when it was right around the beginning stages of Fortnite and that sort of thing. And they reached out to you, right? And like, do you remember, like, what were you thinking then? Because I remember it was serious consideration for you that you might like literally move to LA and spend quite a bit of time there. Yeah, I think it was. It was It was interesting. I, I actually totally forget how that conversation even began. I, I forget who I chatted to first or any anything around that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that I, I've always loved the idea of kind of being in a gamer house for, you know, the reasons chatted about before. Um, and I remember, yeah, the, the concept of phase was exciting, but I remember I always had that feeling in the back of my mind that I just didn't think it was going to be a culture that I could super fit into. Yeah. And I know that I spent a few days over there, you know, I went to a few of the phase parties, met, you know, some of the management, but you know, I know a lot of the guys in that group are really, really nice and I'd get along with great. But I think overall the, the kind of like real the like, LA culture, the LA fuckboy flex beast. culture, like, yeah. man, I, I just get exhausted by it. So yeah, ultimately, obviously we ended up deciding to, you know, ditch that and do our own thing back but in Australia. It, but it also wasn't that simple because I remember around that time when FaZe was talking to you, you were also talking to Andy, who's one of the now co-CEOs of Energy, the yeah. esports company. So at company. the same time that we were talking to FaZe, you're right, we were also talking to Energy, which, you know, I think they wanted to start a house as well. I think that you know, I mean, Energy, Andy and Brett, who kind of head that up or, um, you know, they totally headed that up at the time. Uh, I think they, you know, saw the power of a group like FaZe or, you know, in like a different extent Sidemen, but how important having that content creator arm to an esports org can be yeah. in terms of bringing in that big audience, you know, really kind of expanding. So, yeah, I was, I was chatting to them, um, to Energy, about the possibility of, you know, kind of founding a house for them and leading it up out of LA. And then, you know, we were also talking about uh, the fact that I had, you know, a great group of people already back in Australia um, that, you know, I was considering doing a house with as well, which was uh, Cray, Baz, Lufu and Marcus. Yeah, because I think the key thing about starting a house is that you want those relationships to be you so need, authentic. Yeah, it like, needs to be easy. It needs to be real like you can't really just like cast a house and like chuck random people in it because I think that's where someone like team 10 like kind of went wrong like they re- it, they tried to sort of go like too commercial with it and it wasn't really based on real relationships and that's yeah. where I think it was like gosh like we've got this amazing group of people in Australia that already genuinely love each other and love creating content together like imagine what that would be like but I also remember it was like holy crap 
like for us as a small company, like click management as a small company at the time, the idea of doing that by ourselves was so terrifying. Yeah, like, because I guess this kind of leads into the, the next part, which is doing a gaming house in Sydney, Australia is really freaking hard because so houses hard. are not big and the ones that are big are really freaking expensive. Really expensive. And so I remember like at this point, you know, we'd had a bunch of discussions and I remember little things like I was still part-time working at my old job at yeah. the time and I was on a work trip in the US and I remember I'd be up at all hours of the night like doing random calls trying to work out if we could make this thing happen. So we decided to partner with Energy to create a house which was amazing because as a small company for us at the time like the idea of renting a house like just to put it in perspective the house that you know fits the amount of people that we needed it to fit was going to cost between like $25,000 to $40,000 a month. Yeah. It was really expensive. That's before all the expenses. That's before the expenses of actually creating good videos and that yeah. sort of thing. And it was a really like, we just couldn't do it at that point. Yeah. And I think Click at that time as well had what a total of two employees. Yeah. Outside of like the, the, the actual owners. So it was like tiny. That would have been literally you know, just the cost of the rent, not even talking about the cost of getting a videographer and an editor and everything else you'd need to make that work. The cost of just that house would have been literally quadrupling, quintupling our entire company's, expenses you know, expenses every month. every month. Like it was, it was wild. But then, you know, obviously uh, we were able to, you know, there was a lot that went into it, but actually have a really good discussion with energy and kind of agree with them that we'd team up and do it as kind of a, a group project where click could exist as its own thing, but very much, you know, still part of the energy family. And, and they were amazing. They, and yeah, they I were fantastic. Andy was just, I mean, was and still is a really big inspiration to me. And I know for you as well, he just was thinking on such a global scale. And I think really was one of the first people that I feel like backed us to think about ourselves as more than just this Australian company or this Australian group of creators, mm. but like you guys can do something out of Australia that's on a global scale. And I think I'll always be grateful for that because I think Andy was one of the first people that really, really encouraged us to think massive with our potential. Yeah, yeah. So moving to the next stage, we locked this in and we, we were like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do a house with energy and it's going to be awesome. But yeah, <laughs> finding a house, like we were saying, oh. is really really hard and I think a lot of people you know you think about a YouTuber house and you just think oh it's a house with you know however many people in it you need you know and in in the case there were five of us but you know there were Kath and Marcus who were dating so they only needed one room so really it's like oh you just need a four-bedroom house no absolutely not that's <laughs> not how easy it is it there was. are so many boxes to tick you need fast internet in a country that has one of the <laughs> slowest in and worst internet reputations in the world. Also, you need to assume that there's going to be like between four to five people using that internet to stream yeah. at any given time, which was, again, like so absolutely it, insane. It's not only internet to support one content creator, you need to have internet that can support five of them all doing the same thing at the same time, which in Sydney pretty much doesn't exist. Then you actually get to the house. And when it comes to a gaming house, there are so many things to consider because obviously in addition to having, you know, a bedroom and a place to sleep, you also need a place to record. Now, 
I know I'm guessing a lot of the listeners of the podcast are American. You guys build your houses really big. In Sydney, a bedroom can <laughs> most of the time fit a bed and not a whole lot else in it. You know, you'll have a bed, you'll have a wardrobe, but almost every house that I've ever been in does not have enough room for a proper YouTuber professional grade streaming setup. It just doesn't exist. So really we needed to find a house that had bedrooms to sleep five people. In addition to that, the bedrooms had to be big enough to actually fit gaming setups inside them. Or we needed to find in reality more like a seven to eight bedroom house so that people could have a bedroom and then also a study. And then there were all the small things that came along with it, like other walls thick enough so that if Elliot's recording, that the person in the next room who might also be recording like can't hear it. Yeah. There were the small, well, I say small things, but they were these were actually massive things. The fact that we didn't have furniture to deck out a seven bedroom house. And that was a whole nother thing. And I Which just remember there was this period where Emma, who's our business partner and me, literally went to probably like 25 to 30 different house inspections over the period of about two weeks. We would literally just schedule out all the houses we were going to go and see. And I remember like walking in the amount of different real estate agents we would talk to that were that confused by what we were trying to do. We would walk in and like the first question we would ask would be like, so what's the internet like on this place? Which is like not a normal question that real estate agents really get. And we were like trying to work that out. We were trying to find furnished places, which is also really, really hard in Sydney. But yeah, we looked looked for two to three months. And then finally, I think we were kind of at the end of it. We're like, we physically can't find something, but we really want to kick this thing off. And there'd been this one house that I remember had been kind of visible when we were looking at places that are available to rent. But it was, I think we inquired about it and they were like, yeah, it's uh, eight or $10,000 a week. It was $10,000 we a week. It was $10,000 a week. And we were just like, that is, obs- we can't do that. Yeah. You know, like we're already talking about how was- our expenses could increase with a gaming house. 50,000 a month plus editors, plus everything, that cost was insane. But ultimately- We got so desperate on the search, we ended up going, looking at the house. And I think pretty immediately we were like, yeah, this actually- It's the only house that was perfect. It Well, even then it wasn't perfect because for example, didn't have internet to support. So we had to then go partner up with Boost Mobile who could provide us everyone in the house. Shout out to Boost Mobile. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to Boost Mobile because (laughs) they gave everyone 4G modems so that you could use the mobile networks to get the speed people needed to stream. So it even was with- such a hustle. It was like, so around this time when we locked in that we were going to do the house, I quit my other job. I was like, this requires my full attention. And it was just the most mad hustle in the month leading up to everyone moving into the house where it was like, okay, have we got a home? Have we got internet? Like, let's find an internet sponsor and lock it down ASAP. We didn't have beds. Like for some reason the house was furnished, but didn't have any beds. We found a bed sponsor. Like it was the biggest, just like, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this. And it was, you know, I remember, oh, it was just like the wildest ride at the same time trying to organise all the other guys because not everyone lived in Sydney. Marcus and Kath moved from Melbourne. Cray moved from about an hour away. Baz was already here and you were already here, which is good. And Laddin at the time also lived like an hour and a half away and was moving to Sydney that same week. So it was just the wildest month. It was absolutely insane. I think I barely slept the whole time. But I remember there was so much excitement for it. I think because 
as soon as we realized, and once again, totally couldn't have ever done this without energy because that rental cost was insane. And But we managed to, you know, tell Andy that it was realistically the only place that could function. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Which was amazing. So I remember, you know, at the time, like Cray, every single night, you know, I'd be like, oh, Cray, want to record? He'd be like, I can't record after 7 p.m. because my walls are paper thin yes. and the neighbors will like start punching on the walls if they hear me talking. And, you know, then you had Baz who's in like his apartment. Long story short, I just remember we were so excited for everyone to like, see the house yeah because i remember everyone was like really uncertain whether or not we'd actually found a place that was good enough and i think as soon as people got there it was like oh damn this place is really really cool i like literally get goosebumps thinking about the move-in day and i remember yeah. going to the real estate agent that morning and picking up the keys and i think i was the first person to the house and i opened the door and at that point no one else was there and it just like hit me like a ton of bricks i was like holy shit yeah this we're doing this. Like we are literally doing this. We've got this for a year. We have to make this work. And it was this feeling of just like, it was the first real massive investment that we'd made into really anything. And it was terrifying and so exciting. And that day I remember like you arriving with a moving truck and everyone moving in and Catherine Cray, Catherine Marcus, sorry, didn't get to the house until really late that night. And I just remember like, I remember I remember small things like Cray walking in and like looking at the floor and being like, I've never seen floor this nice before. And like the view, like which you guys probably would have seen was just insane. It was just such a wild difference to anything that any, any one of us had done on an individual level at that yeah. point. Yeah. And it was pretty, yeah, it was just, un, it was like a level of, you know, house that was just unbelievable. At that point, like the closest I'd been to that sort of experience was like going to some of the phase parties in the US. And I remember like walking into that house and being like, holy crap, like there's a whole business that supports this and can make this happen. Yeah. And me feeling like that was still so far beyond my reach. And then three months later, we'd moved into this place. Yeah. And whenever I moved in, the hype was unreal. I remember the excitement around doing everything was incredible you know everyone was oh you know and, and like just thinking about all the extra little things just last minute before we get into like the real flow of what happened yeah the extra things in addition to the house like there's so many little elements you just underestimate that need to happen for a gaming house to work so there oh. was there was you know getting the uh finding a, someone who could be a videographer and an editor and then figuring out stuff like we had to get a bunch of different weird liability insurances. We started the house and we didn't have a full-time videographer or editor because we were so terrified that like to to hire another person at that point for us was a really, really big decision. And now I'm like, how did we ever think we were going to manage? We were going to try and get like Jacob, who's Elliot's like editor, to try and do a video a week, which in hindsight, like those click videos were a were an absolute mountain to do. Yeah, but, but somehow it all worked. Anyway, though, yeah, the, the excitement when everyone first moved in, though, was unreal, I remember. And also, in addition to that, the excitement around, uh, you know, kind of getting the channel going and getting the first bits of content out and really kind of like moving things into like that next stage where we could actually yeah. gear up, grow the channel and kind of, and, and really build that stuff out. Um, yeah, and, and then we and then we kicked off making the videos. And I remember that the the kind of like the passion at the start was wild. We'd have everyone sitting around a computer doing like eight different versions of a thumbnail, being like, oh, let's add this thing here, let's remove that there, let's go retake that photo. Shoots we would, you know, I remember the uh the house tour video that we did and um 
the, you know, the amount that we like reshot different scenes, people like, oh, let's try this gag and see if it works. And, and just, just having so much fun with it. And then I think that when that content first went out, you know, the first five, six, seven videos, everyone, you know, we, we, I think we had a goal. We're like, man, if we could get this channel to a million subs over the year, that would be absolutely crazy. And when we put that first video out, it was wild. Like the, yeah. the level of kind of response that it got, the feedback, people were in that, the house to a video instantly. Got a million views in 24 hours. Yeah, a million views in 24 hours and content was performing. Everyone was excited. People's personal channels were suddenly growing a bunch because someone would come from Laserbeam and then be like, oh, who's this creator guy? And then they'd go follow. It was insane. I remember everyone's personal channels also grew, I think by 150,000 in like, just over two weeks. Yeah, it was so good. It was I, insane. I, that, that level of excitement in the house. And I remember I'd wake up in the morning and I'd go upstairs and Cray would be like shirtless out on the balcony with a coffee in his hand, <laughs> like just like sipping, looking at the view, <laughs> like absolute like Pablo Escobar vibes. Like he'd just <laughs> taken over the world. And like- This at, is where I live now. Yeah, <laughs> and people were waking up at like 7 a.m. in the morning just because the house had such a good view of the sunrise. But uh, yeah, it's it's funny because I, I think, um, you know, the, the early days of content uh, reminds me of something, which is a good segue, which is uh, the location we were in uh, came with some interesting quirks. And I think the, the first point where we kind of ran into uh, not, not, not so much like a, an issue, but a like, oh, like this is the this is the space that we are living in right now. And this is the like type of people and like class that we're in as a bunch of like, you know, 20 year old gamers was when we put out the house to a video for the house. And I remember uh, for the click house and I remember I was like, oh, all right, like, you know, I, I had no idea the cost of like how much the house we were in cost. You know, you can make rough guesstimates, but I was like, you know, I, I really want to like clickbait this a bit. You know, it's our first ever video. Let's get it views. I'm just going to like invent a number for how much this house could cost. And I and think then, you said 25 million, no, right? No, I, I think I might've said 15, oh, actually. Yeah. 15, which I remember at the time I was like, and and I, I actually visibly remember having this discussion with like Kath and Marks. They were like. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh, but like, you know, people are going to see the video and call BS on that. And I'm like, oh, you know, like it's probably not that far off what it actually is. We can like tune it up a little bit. It's our first ever video. Anyway, that video goes live. Day later, we get a call from uh, the owners. The owners being like, you need to take that video down right now or we're going to evict you from the property. And we're like, what's going on? What do we do? Did we like, did we do something bad? <laughs> like we, you know, cause we actually had like big discussions with them beforehand that videos would be filmed in the house. Yeah, they that knew, was like, they knew we did YouTube. Yeah. So I remember we were like, what's the problem? What, you know, like what's wrong? What, which part of this video didn't you like? And they were like, 
It's a $40 million house, not a $15 million house. You're materially devaluing our property. And I was like, and I was like, right. So pretty much that's about the time where we really started to realize the full extent of uh, the fact that, you know, Darling Point, which is where the house was, is one of the most, or it is the top two or three yeah. most expensive suburbs, not only in Australia, oh, sorry, not only in Sydney, but in Australia. Um, and yeah, suddenly you had these people who had bought their $50, $60 million waterfront mansions, you know, to live in with their children. And they had these five 20 year old <laughs> gamers who were screaming at Twitch at 3am in the morning and recording it was all day. So funny. Like I remember the first couple of weeks of moving in and the neighbours would, you know, we saw the neighbours regularly. And I just remember the, like, pure confusion that would be on their faces. They're like, sorry, what do you guys do? Because we were living in this incredible house. And, I mean, I wasn't living there physically, but I was there every day basically for work. And um, so we're in this incredible house, but, like, you walk out and everyone's just, like, living in trackies, you know, and driving like kind of shitty cars or not having cars at all. We had like mm. a five car garage that was basically empty and everyone would just be ordering Uber Eats three times a day. It was absolutely ridiculous. And I think we weren't the best friends of the neighbours. God, there were some funny stories about like, I don't know, is that where you wanted to jump into? Well, I mean, I think early on we really tried, you know, we were, we didn't, we weren't like, inherently bad neighbors i think mm -mm. i think we were just immediately i think the the neighbors Kids probably having the time of our lives living in a bloody huge mansion making videos for a living and i reckon that when all the neighbors saw a bunch of us you know younger people moving into this giant mansion next door they were probably very on guard yeah. and i remember the first real incident we ran into other than the 40 million versus 15 million dollar house debate um was when we moved into the house we decided you know oh like we've all got a few friends in sydney let's have a couple of people around and just have drinks show them the Gentle house housewarming actually though it was the gentlest of yeah. housewarmings literally i think a total of eight to ten people came yeah total like eight it wasn't a house party it was a drinks bit of food around the table Let's show us the house. And I think that, you know, by we we wrapped up at 10 p.m., I remember, because we decided to all go into the city. So it was all kind of all the house stuff was wrapped up by 10 p.m. And uh, anyway, yeah, then the next day we get a call from the landlords again. And we're like, oh, God, what is it this time? Do they do they re-up the value, their, their prospective <laughs> value of the house? Do we need to change the title again? Because I can go do that. Because I remember I was I was like, mate, you want me to set it to 100 million? I'm just going to get more <laughs> views, you know? Like, this is good for me. We can up the value. <laughs> Cut me in. Um, yeah, and the, and we got that email or it was a call from the landlord being like, what are you guys doing? And we were like, what what happened? They were like, the neighbors told us everything. And we were like, what do you mean? And it was this one neighbor in particular. Basically, we had government. There was actually a government housing building on one side of the house. And, you know, they were obviously like not in this same Thing, but it was the it was the house that was kind of like in front of us that this always seemed to happen with get a call being like the neighbors told us everything and we were like what do you mean and uh they're like that you had a, apparently you had a 100 person frat party last mm -hmm. night and we we're like what music are, pumping till 3 a.m pumping till 3 a.m i was like whoa, whoa, whoa 
step back. Number one, everyone was gone by 10. Number two, did they say 100 people? And they literally sent me the screenshot of the message where the neighbor was like between 60 and 100 people were at the house. <laughs> you might want to like check what's going with your tenants. Um, and and I literally, the I invite. screreenshot the Facebook invi- invite that was like 13 people invited eight people going because, you know, not everyone wants to hang out. That's cool. I but remember having a meeting with them and being like, I think you're like grossly overestimating like the social lives that these guys have. I'm like- I actually remember are- us making that point. It's like, guys, seriously, we're gamers. We sit inside all day. We don't go I'm hard. I'm literally like, all they do is sit in their rooms for 18 hours a day playing video games. Yeah. I'm like, these are not people. Like, I was like, I don't think any of them even know 100 people in Sydney, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> But long story short, the neighbors were a recurring thing. Uh, you know, there was like the parking a car out the front of the house. Oh, gosh. They would have trucks, building trucks there all the time. And they would sometimes park their own car there. But whenever Baz parked his car there, it was like, it was treated <laughs> like it was a crime of the highest degree. It <laughs> was not literally the front of the ha- Like, you're allowed to park there. Yeah. Very explicitly. You are allowed to park there, but they would um, they would get really, really not happy. But, you know, I think we can use that to segue into maybe, you know, the next part we've talked about, the hype of moving into a house, some of the funny, like, silly things that neighbors picked up. But, uh, you know, when you do move into a house with a bunch of different personalities and a bunch of very, very different people, um, there were definitely a few, you know, things that weren't, didn't, weren't, weren't totally perfect you know obviously like anyone living in a house together mm. always runs into these problems everyone yeah. has got Standard you know like a housemate house or lived with people vibes. everyone's there's always gonna be things and i think you know i'll start i'll start with some things that i actually that the neighbors would constantly uh dob us in for and get angry about which i know some of the other guys in the house were like hated them for doing this but i also it was the one thing that they were that the neighbors would complain about where i'd be like you know, it's it's kind of justified, which is we basically had um, it was a shared garage basically, but it was not a garage that the neighbors would almost ever use. He kept his Ferrari four five eight in there that he never touched or drove really, um, and other than that, they were basically never in the in that garage ever. But long story short, the house had a serious, serious, serious rubbish issue. We are in in, at every stage of the process, you know, there is the, uh, you know, when it comes to a lot of people think rubbish is simple, but you realize it's really not. There's a lot of steps. Rubbish is not simple. There's a lot of (laughs) steps. There is, you know, at first, do you put your, you know, old food in a proper bin or do you chuck it in an Uber Eats bag and throw the Uber Eats bag in the corner? And then- how does that rubbish get up to where the bins are in the garage? And then do people remember to take the bins out or do they forget three weeks in a row, very much myself included in all these things we're talking about, mm. uh, at which point the rubbish can no longer fit in the bins and it's it starts like overflowing. It's standard share house shit that everyone deals with. But when you're working with people that like live and work in the same place and everyone's there 24-7 and everyone's ordering Uber Eats three times a day, it's just like very much magnified as an issue it was yeah it was it was it it was really bad i would say about one month in i'd say for the first couple of weeks people were very kind of like tippy toes you know new Mm. house let's make sure we do everything right no one wants to be that person who's like the first person that people get mad at but after i would say two to three weeks 
the rubbish was very clearly identified as a serious, like, okay, this is a problem. Because uh, obviously, like you were saying, YouTubers, pretty much every YouTuber I know at least, lives off Uber Eats. <laughs> and I'm not just saying they'll have an Uber Eats a couple of times a week when they're having a late recording. No, especially in that house, there were five of cooking. us and people would Uber Eats breakfast. They would always Uber Eats lunch and they would always Uber Eats dinner. And uh, most of the time when people finish their Uber, Uber Eats, Eats are still waiting for our sponsorship, yeah, sponsorship by the way. By the way. <laughs> but, but most of the time when they'd finish, when you know we'd finish our food, I gotta stop saying they, we, when we'd finish the food, we would chuck it in the Uber Eats bag and we had just like this corner of the kitchen <laughs> that people would put the Uber Eats bags in. And, it was gross. <laughs> and, and yeah, and there were, there were some real problems with that because it wasn't like people were ordering food and then finishing it all and just putting the like, all, like the, the plastic container in the bag in the corner. There was, I, oh my God, I still get PTSD from this. The place that Baz and Cray and Marcus loved to order from the most was called Char Grilled Charlie's. It's a bomb place. It is a bomb place. They make good food, but you know what they give you? They give you, you order it and they will give you, they'll send you like half a chicken, literally a chicken cut in half. And the reality, or sometimes a whole chicken. And the reality is most of the time people would, you know, have like, you know, half of it or maybe even like three quarters of it, but they would never finish it. And then that chicken would end up in the corner. Chicken carcass. Chicken carcass. So we had multiple <laughs> chicken, half eaten chickens sitting in Uber Eats bags in a kitchen where no one was taking the rubbish out on like in, in an Australian summer where things can get pretty hot. And at a point there was a constant stream of rotting food and it would get oh. to a point where eventually, and actually, you know what, full credit, Kath was the most on top of taking rubbish out at when we first started. She was great at it. Um, but basically it would just get to like critical mass point and it would be like, <laughs> okay, we need to deal with this issue. And then someone would take the rubbish out. Um, but yeah, we had, the, I remember everything from, you know, because we, we wouldn't, we'd, we'd chuck stuff in the bins, but we, you know, we wouldn't tie it up in a bin bag properly. And we had like maggots in the bins and flies in the bins. People would like eat a pizza and then just like slap and then just like throw the pizza box in the garage that still has half the pizza left in it. It was bad. I'm not, I remember I actually had like PTSD of the smell of the garage because it was just, it was disgusting. And <laughs> And I think everyone had a share of blame in it, but man, the the rubbish situation was absolutely dire. And I think uh, you probably remember this actually. We had yeah. um, because the neighbors started coming in and taking photos and sending it to the to the landlords. And, and I making... was yeah, and I was the one that the landlords would text because yeah. my name was also on the lease. So I would be getting texts like in the middle of the night or at all hours of the day. And yeah, it was a little stressful. Yeah, and I and we had to get exterminators and rubbish pickups and a lot of yeah. a lot of stuff that uh yeah, that was those small issues just compile when you're in like a big house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those small issues really, really do add up. Um but yeah, and then so you know, there was like I, I just want to deal with the, you know, like I think it's actually really interesting talking about when you put a bunch of, you know, YouTubers obviously generally have pretty strong personalities. Like I think, you know, there were obviously so many great things. And then there were a lot of things that, you know, parts where I think it's interesting talking about some mm. of the, like the harder parts of living in a gaming house. Cause I think on the outside, it looks all very, you know, like super fun, living with your friends, playing games, going to parties, all that kind of thing. 
But and it um, was. It was so much of that. And it but was, was. It was. But there was also, also yeah. the reality of it. Yeah. And, I, and I think uh, the interesting thing is how uh, the house had so many differing personalities in it, mm. you know? Like, when I went to, like, the FaZe house, uh, you know, overseas, um, I, I feel like every – or <laughs> at least a lot more than we had. Everyone there is a very similar personality type. Very, like, you know, wants to go out, wants to go do stuff. And whereas in – the click house, we had like me, who was probably the one who was more trying to be like, yo, let's like very go out. Extroverted. Let's go very into the loud. city. Let's go get drinks. Let's do something. Very extroverted, very loud, very like always being like, yo, poking my head in crazy. Like, what's going on, man? Like, what are we doing? Like, you on stream right now? Oh, cool. I'm going to come like do something on stream to, you know, be entertaining. Yeah. And then you had on like the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, a bit more of like a Kath or a Baz, who's very like, you know, obviously when they're on camera, they're big personalities, but in their like private life, they're very, very like, Naturally introverted people. Yeah, and I think and I think in in some ways uh, having those clashing personalities could be great. I think um, you know if you look at Baz, man, people really not many people knew Baz in this like space like personally before the Click House. Yeah, even me, I played with them all the time. Do but you I remember didn't... this is something else before the Click House? Baz had never put his face on camera. Do you remember yeah, that? and that was a huge thing. That was a huge thing when we were starting the house yeah. and it was like, is Baz going to like do a face reveal? And now like you look at him and you're like, of course everyone knows who Baz is. But at that point, yeah, like he was, it was, it was like that. It was a really different time. Yeah, really, really different. But yeah, I, and I think, you know, those clashing personalities could be really, really good. For example, Baz, before he went into the house was so, so quiet and really kind of didn't, you know, kind of didn't do much physical stuff anymore. He was like very much like focused on YouTube. Whereas now by, you know, living with Marcus and, you know, all those other people, he's now this unit of yeah. a human who is gym obsessed to In the craziest ways. degree. But he's also still, but, but I'd say he's still that same, you know, he's very a quiet guy. But I'd say that it's kind of really brought out a bit of balance in all of us, I think, where you... I think that's one thing that was such a positive is in so many ways you guys were such a good influence on each other. You know, like even you, you'd never gone to the gym before living in that house. You'd never really cared about what you ate and that sort of thing. And there was a period there where, you know, it was Marcus, Baz, you, Craig, Kath, you'd all go to the gym together every night. And like you lost 10 kilos in like two months. It was insane. And then I remember as well, like, you know, we've touched on it in previous episodes, but doing YouTube is such an isolating career. Yeah. And it's such an isolating job. It's something that you're used to doing very much on your own. And it's a job where most people are very self-taught. Everyone's working it out as they go. And the opportunity for people to like help each other out and brainstorm content and that sort of thing was amazing. Like I still remember, this is kind of a funny story, but like I still remember a night where I think you must have been on Discord with like Lachlan or someone else. I think and it was Lachlan and Vic. Yeah, and someone was like, dude, like, did you see that video that Craig just uploaded? Like, what the hell is it, that It wasn't thumbnail? even that. It was like we were there, we were chatting, we were playing games. I think we were talking about the thumbnail I was making for that same update. And then I just hear Vic be like, what the hell did Craig just post as his video thumbnail? And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa click it. And I just see it's this like, because Cray was, you know, kind of still new to the YouTube game at that time. Like he didn't have a thumbnail maker. He was doing it all himself. Yeah. And I was like, my God. Be right back. Be right back. And I walk out the door. I just like knock on Cray's door, come in. I'm like, 
that thumbnail is getting <laughs> changed right now. And then we'd literally sit down for, you know, like half an hour, 40 minutes, and I'd be like talking through. I'd be like, okay, so like this is the reason that thumbnail didn't work. Your scale is all off. Yeah. You need to make it look a lot more like a screenshot. What we can do is we can take this screenshot. You need to make sure the angle lines up with that. And I think that one of the things that I, I think everyone in that house had uh, in common is everyone loves teaching and talking and you know mm. helping each other with stuff that we're all passionate about whether it's a video title a video thumbnail video ideas all that yeah. kind of stuff i like all the way through that was one thing that never changed in that house even all the way at the end when minecraft was going through its whole thing i remember me cray and baz would literally be like helping each other like take screenshots for thumbnails and then yeah. i'd be like and then we'd be like okay why doesn't this thumbnail work like we should add like a, a, a kill feed thing in there on the left yeah. and that'll fill the space and then mess with the colors. And it was great. And it that was a vibe- special thing to be part of a place where everyone was so like-minded and so passionate and driven. And I think like yeah. that's an environment that's really, really hard to replicate, especially in YouTube where there's just not that many people doing it. There's not that many people that are on the same page or can understand the ups and the downs that come with yeah. it. No, I, exactly, exactly. Mm. And I think I think it was uh, it was funny because everyone, you know, everyone had their own little like quirks as well, which was always so funny. Like Cray, when he's recording, uh, you know, like you could hear like I'm a loud person, but there was something about Cray's voice that could penetrate the entire building. Like that, you I could walk in the top door. This is a four-story house, crazed three levels down through like solid stone and multiple steps. Fruity. And I yeah, and you walk <laughs> in the house and you just hear Fruity! and you'd be like, oh my god, um, yeah, yeah. And then you know you had like you had me like I think everyone had um you know I think one one thing that I definitely like struggled with and was that at that time I remember just being so stressed and we've talked about this in other episodes about like about video making and mm. you know that like things are going well on Fortnite, obviously but that made it really stressful and i remember that's where i went through a real patch where i could get really angry when i was recording if i wasn't getting the content yeah. that i wanted i'd start getting really frustrated and like really really mad and i think that that, that was probably like a bit of a um something i i, I wish i'd been able to control a bit more because i think it's kind of uh Hearing someone rage in the other room can be a bit of a yeah, bit it's of a jarring. Vibe. Yeah, it can be jarring. Um, and then you know, I think I think you know, Kath and I probably crashed uh, clashed a lot. Like I think our personalities are, in some ways, absolute opposites. Yeah, you know, I think that we, you know, in terms of the introvert extrovert aspect, although Kath can be very extroverted, Kath is like all over the show. I can't tell. One second she's the biggest extrovert I know, where she'll like run out on the street for a video joke and go up to someone and say, I love you, and then run back yeah. inside. Something I could never do. No. And then the next, the quietest, most reserved person ever. But anyway, one thing Kath and I absolutely had in common uh, is that I think we both very, like we'd always make the the joke about alpha, but I don't think alpha, and you know, that's the joke word we use, but I don't think alpha is the right word. It was just, we're both very set and strong-minded. You know, like mm -hmm. if we're like, I think this is the way something should be, then I think both of us are quite uncompromising in that a lot of the time. Yeah. We don't like, we don't like being diverted. And so whenever, if Kath and I on like a click shoot or a recording or something around the house would have a disagreement, it would be like a, you know, locked antlers situation. Mm. Um, 
which you know, whereas you know, Baz Baz and Craig was so amenable. Yeah, I think it stems, you know, and, and maybe that kind of leads into talking about like the some of the challenges and difficulties that came with creating weekly content. Yeah, but you know, even with all those diverse personalities in the house, I think we we really did kind of start to figure things out throughout the year. I think there were certain things that, you know, never changed, uh, which which probably should have, you know, stuff like me getting mad and me and, and me and Kath uh, locking heads all the time. But I think there were so many elements that we really started to improve on, you know, like the rubbish roster was incredible. <laughs> we started having a thing where it was like each week there is a different person who will be responsible for taking the rubbish from downstairs up to the bins. Yeah. Thanks for watching this week's episode, guys. We're going to take a little bit of a break right here with part two of the whole click topic coming next week where we talk about how everything had to go on hold and kind of went through a bit of a crisis period towards the end of 2019. If you want to see that episode, make sure you subscribe. It'll be here next week. But until then, bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.